born to serve. My eyes see injustice, my hands work for change, my tongue sing the sorrow of my heart. The love of Allah combined with hope, let's hold hands as we make a start. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Ahlan wa sahlan wa marhaban Bikum respected listeners of your frequency of choice 91.3 FM, the voice of the Cape I'm your host this evening, Muhammad Sheikh Bringing to you an edition of Born to Serve Featuring leaders in our community That are making a difference solely for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That have made an absolutely meaningful contribution in our community and that are truly an inspiration for you and I. Respected listeners, remember, you can send us your dedications to 47913 via SMS and inshallah, I hope we will bring you an enjoyable show this evening. But nonetheless, nonetheless, I am uh, absolutely astounded, subhanAllah, because this evening we are going to present to you an edition of one of the legendary ulama. Uh, community workers in the mother city that I've heard of since growing up and also that is uh, very very famous in uh, the mother city but nonetheless um, this uh, the great personality by the name of Shaykh Mufti uh, Yusuf Karan Allah yarhamhu rahmatan wasi'a Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elevate his status and grant him jannatul firdaus without reckoning in order to commemorate this the legacy of the life of this wonderful alim in our community. We have his beloved son, Professor Abdus Salam Karan, who is the Dean of the Faculty of Agricultural Sciences at the University of Stellenbosch. And Alhamdulillah, um, I think I'm proud in various moments, you know, um, having or being given the opportunity of profiling such a wonderful alim. At the same time, bring a Marty myself and having a Dean in front of us, subhanAllah, Allah, you know, it's just uh, just excitement bustling all around. But nonetheless, Professor Abdul Salam, we welcome you to our uh, our shows. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. Alaikum salam warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. A heartful thank you to yourself, inshallah, for taking time out your Saturday evening and being part of our program. Perhaps, inshallah, we can start off with the growing up the journey of Marhum Mufti Yusuf Karan, Allah Yarhamhu. Where did he come from? Uh, You know, what was his childhood like and so forth? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. My father, Marhum, was uh, the grandson of, on both his maternal and paternal side, uh, his grandfathers were imams in the Strand, okay. and uh, his great grandfather, his, his grandfather was uh, Imam Musa Karan, who oh. came from Java okay. in uh, in the year 1870. Wow, Subhanallah! And uh, <clears throat> he was uh, uh, fought against the colonial powers mm-hmm. and had to leave Java no. and find his way. Uh, to Cape Town, left his family and came to the Cape in 1870 and eventually found his way towards uh, to the Strand yeah. where the people of the Strand spoke the dialect, um, the Java dialect okay. uh, of, uh, 
of the place that he comes from. Subhanallah, wow. And it is a village in Java called Karam. Okay. And, uh, so he, he, he comes from there. Subhanallah. <clears throat> and when we went back into the ancestry, my father started that first to go and uh, investigate that. And uh, my late sister too, <clears throat> they discovered that they come from an illustrious background of uh, uh, alims and madaris and in, in Java and carried on that tradition uh, in South Africa Allah as, uh, as an imam, as an alim uh, and so forth. So that's the, the ancestry more or less. Subhanallah. So Quran is actually a place in Java. Um, or like a village or some sort of uh, idea, geographically speaking. Yes. Wow, Allahu Akbar. You know, uh, sometimes we attribute surnames to having a meaning. Or, but this is this is amazing. This is unique, uh, definitely. Uh, but nonetheless, Subhanallah. And uh, so, uh, uh, Mufti Saab was born in South Africa, and most of his childhood spent in the Strand area. Yes, he was born in 1935 in South Africa in in, in the Strand. He did his. Uh, Earlier bringing and his primary school there, his high school was at Athlone High. Okay. Uh, there was no high school at, at that stage in that area. He was one of the first uh, to matriculate. No. He matriculated from Athlone High. And from there he went for a few years into teaching. Teaching. Uh, he, he, uh, and that's what got him to, to go to India to study. Okay. He went to a place uh, called Klinko where he was teaching uh, school and was teaching madrasa. No. And uh, <clears throat> he met some person there who said to him, would you be interested to go and study in India? After he heard him uh, read Quran and read the Quran in the, in, in the masjid. No. And uh, Allah Ta'ala sent somebody <clears throat> who then offered him a bursary and he left for India. Oh, okay. uh, for Deoband in the late 50s. Late 50s, subhanAllah, from probably amongst the earliest ulama to leave the shores of South Africa. Uh, so this was in Glencoe, KZN, I would uh, I would imagine. Correct. And uh, subhanAllah, how long did he spend in India? He was there for about five and a half years. Uh -huh. um, he, he told us many, many uh, fond stories of his early days in, in Deoband. Okay, perhaps inshallah, there. we can share some of those. And uh, <clears throat> some of them are on record, but... Uh, you know, he left uh, by ship and uh, came to, to India, came to Deoband, which was a, f a foreign culture. He didn't speak any Urdu um, in those days. Uh, and uh, <coughs> he didn't know the culture, he didn't know the food, he didn't know what to expect on right. that side. And uh, he, as, as many people do, became very ill yes, because yes. of the food in those days. <coughs> and he, he took myself and my brother and showed us where he was ill for for weeks um, and ha uh, stayed in the minaret or some masjid there until he was well to go back to the to the madrasa <coughs> and uh, and start his his work there uh, he uh, people fondly recall how he had to learn urdu <laughs> you know, and and uh, many would tease him that uh, you know he would speak Urdu like a girl. We could he could, couldn't get his uh, his grammar. Allah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Correct, but he, you know, I, I spoke to one of his great friends, is Molnay uh, Brian Mia, yes. and I asked him, you know, what what do you recall? He said, you know, you have to write up um, his history because those early years in India <clears throat> was a great sacrifice for him. It was difficult. He came from a very poor family, uh, and that itself was a challenge. He uh, never complained about it. 
but uh, that <coughs> and the acculturation that had to take place for him uh, to succeed in a place like Durban. But he was uh, a man of uh, very resolute intentions. Okay. <coughs> he, would, he would never give up. No. And, uh, you know, he's taken us back to Durban a few times uh, and give us fond recollections of his, of his days there. Mm. And he spoke about um, his fellow students and uh, his teachers with uh-huh. great reverence and them, you know, about him as well. SubhanAllah. Were there other um, people or other students from Cape Town at that moment in the 50s that went with him? I don't think so. SubhanAllah. So he could, we can list uh, Marhum uh, uh, Maulana um, uh, Yusuf Saab as one of the earliest or probably the earliest of the Cape Town uh, students to go to to India and study at Deoband. Yes. SubhanAllah. SubhanAllah. So five and a half years in Deoband, um, you know, apart from the other, uh, the, the Urdu language per se and the cultural environment of, you know, being totally Urdu in a different language, um, you know, spending five and a half years, I'm sure, you know, it became part Part of him ingrained in him. Uh, what was what was some of the um, uh, scholarly highlights that you know he really uh, you know lived up to in terms of uh, his personal accomplishments whilst in the Urbant? You know, as because I'm not an alim, I'm not capable of speaking about his, his scholarship as an alim. You know, perhaps some of the ulama could could uh, react to that, and and uh, my brother Monotaha would also be in a better position to talk to, to talk about um, that part of, 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 of his life. No. But, uh, you know, his, <coughs> his great contribution, one of his great contributions was the fact that the, because he acquired the linguistic abilities, he always had good linguistic abilities, okay. he, he, was, uh, he spent much of his life in, in translating many works um, oh. into English yes. um, from Urdu, from Arabic, uh, and you know, throughout his life, until the very, the very last days of his life, mm-hmm. um, I, I remember him always busy translating um, books. You know, his uh, his uh, desk at home, his desk at the MGC, um, was always full of kitabs, and he was always busy writing, busy reading. In fact, even in his car till today, he on the dashboard, <coughs> you would have different kitabs and different pieces of paper that he was. So he spent his life um, as a scholar. Allah and uh, even <coughs> I recall we would sit in meetings no. and uh, <coughs> whilst everybody else is talking he would sit with his kitab and, and continue reading and studying um, and making notes and preparing for something wow. he, 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 he was an intellectual who lived as an intellectual often no. preoccupied with, with his own thoughts um, like intellectuals would, would be yes yeah. yes absolutely did he have a particular affinity more to Arabic or Urdu I mean uh, Given his, you know, his linguistic ability, subhanAllah. And there comes like a crunch point in a scholar's life, you know, um, a preference, if, if one would say. Arabic would always be the preference. But, <laughs> always. <laughs> but Urdu became the language of his heart. Allah Akbar, what wise words, wonderful words to describe, uh, you know, a language or linguistic, uh, you know, preference. SubhanAllah, respected listeners, I think, inshallah, it's time to pay the bulls. We'll resume shortly after this. Stay buckled. Born to serve. My eyes see injustice. My hands will for change. My tongue sing the sorrow of my heart. The love of Allah combined with hope. Let's hold hands as we make a start. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. 
Welcome back, respected listeners, to Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM. Your host, Muhammad Sheikh, on Born to Serve, featuring somebody that I truly aspire to be like, Hazrat Mufti uh, Yusuf Karan, Allah yarhamhu rahmatan wasi'a. And joining us in studio is his beloved son, Professor Abdus Salam Karan, giving us a brief glimpse into the life of um, this the great alim that exists or that was part of our community in the Western Cape. But nonetheless, subhanAllah, continuing, Professor. Um, uh, Maulana's, you know, after completing his studies at Darul Ulum, Dioban and so forth, um, throughout his life, you know, literary works, translation was that, you know, he's more like keynote, his kind of passion, so to say. Uh, what was his direct involvement coming back from Dioban? Did he settle back into the Strand community in Cape Town? Yes, he returned back to the community of the Strand. And at that stage, you know, there were many options open to him. Uh-huh. He... Uh, had uh, opportunities to go and uh, serve elsewhere mm-hmm. but he was very committed to return to the cape and to the strand to his own people in particular no. and my mother often uh, tells the story of how he um, at one occasion said to her you know we could go somewhere else and have a good life yes but i prefer to stay here what would you like to do and says i'll st- stay and serve with you Lord and God. he spent um, <clears throat> from there on from his return for the next 53 years, he was Imam of the Strand community until until his uh, demise. He, uh, uh, you know, the one thing that probably defined him was his uh, intense love for his own community. Okay. Mm. To the extent that you know, if you, if we even as children would criticize something in the community, he would yeah. say, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. Yes. yes. These are good people. He he loved them um, intensely. <clears throat> for the oh. first, let's say. 20, 25 years of his service to the community, <clears throat> he was he was not doing much on a national scale or international scale. Right. He was serving only that community and he focused on madrasa. Subhanallah, 25 years. Yes, and he would teach madrasa himself <clears throat> with a few other uh, teachers until today, <clears throat> several generations will recall being taught by him as a madrasa teacher. And this, you know that probably was the mainstay of his early work um, in the community yeah. was to focus on madrasa. Wow. He did he did some other things as well. The one was that to <clears throat> unite the community. Many of our oh. communities are polarized in different factions for different reasons. And he spent uh, his time uniting the community, different families and factions and uh, different leaders and c- created a united uh, uh, Muslim council for the strand and was the first imam. But uh, you know, even in that, one of the one of the things I recalled so one day, someone said to him, um, "I was told the story yeah. by uh, uh, one of his friends who said, you know, people accused him for you created a structure so that you can earn a salary from this community, right. and he gave up his salary <clears throat> for quite some time, for a number of years. Say, wow. I'm not serving this community for a salary." He started a little business yeah. and continued uh, uh, serving like that. Allah um, <clears throat> So he was not only the imam, but also the teacher in the madrasa. You know, f- often these days we separate those two things. Yes, um, yes. But he would do both that and also serve the community. I remember as a child that yes. uh, he would leave home very early in the morning and I've, of some nights I would go to sleep many nights and not, not see him. Allah. Um, <clears throat> so he was very dedicated to that. He once told me that, uh, his commitment to madrasa 
<coughs> came from his mother. Okay. Uh, that his mother used to teach madrasa in her home. And he yeah. said, she used to teach in one room, I used to teach in the other room. And for days I wouldn't see her. Wow. Because we used to be so dedicated to teaching. So I think that is a, a tradition perhaps that comes in the family <coughs> um, uh, of of dedication to madrasa. Allahu Akbar. And if he, if he had his own criticism of any community, right. it would all often be about the strength of the madrasa system okay. in that community. And in the madrasa, he would, he would write the textbooks himself. <coughs> mm-hmm. My best memories of him as, 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 as a father are not what he said to me as a father, but was how he taught me as, he, as my madrasa teacher. Okay. And, uh, so he taught me to read Quran, he taught me <coughs> kitab and so on. And, uh, and probably the best teaching that he, he did was when he taught history, when he taught us seerah. Ah. And he was, he was a, a, a raconteur of note. Okay. He, could, he could tell stories. Um, that would keep you spellbound, especially to children. Even in his old, in, in his in his late latter days, nah. um, he would call his grandchildren and tell them stories, and they would lie dead quiet listening to him tell the stories about the Ambiya, telling the stories about uh, Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the Sahaba and so on. And that was probably <coughs> when he relaxed most ah. when he was telling stories to children. Allah Akbar. Uh, as as a father, you know, to your honourable self, uh, Mufti Taha Sab. What what was he like as a as a person as a man of principle? Was he particular about certain things? Were there certain no nos? Uh, you know, growing up, was he punctual upon certain things or certain uh, you know morals growing up? He, he was on certain things very strict. Okay. On other things very liberal. Right. Um, what he was very strict about was usually madrasa and Quran. Mm. Okay, and he never beat us for anything other than for Quran. Ah, subhanallah. Uh, so we, we 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 could be naughty and right. get away with it, but you won't get away with uh, with not reading Quran. Allah. And <clears throat> you know the one of the best memories I have of him in terms of of Quran was uh, when my brother and I completed um, our hajj and returned and. He was going to con- continue, and I was going to university. And my father knew that uh, <coughs> coming back from a life of madrasa into a free life of university, he was worried that I was not going to look after my Quran. <coughs> and he knew he had to do and introduce some form of discipline that will make us look after the Quran. So he started. Uh, he called the two of us and said, "You know, we're going to start Qiyam al-Layl." Allah. And <coughs> we started that in nineteen. 86, 87, <coughs> and um, he said, you know, for you means you have to read 10 Jews a night. SubhanAllah. And my father was not Hafid, so he used to listen to us. <coughs> and from that day, for the next 30 years, uh-huh. every Ramadan, the last three nights of Ramadan, he used to stand behind us, listen to 10 Jews a night, and you, you, you couldn't make a mistake. You know. Wallah, he was very strict on that. So probably his best, best attribute was mm. the fact that when he commits to something, right. he made a lifetime commitment to it. Allah yeah. Akbar. Another example would be he started a tafsir class okay. in the Strand many years ago. And from the day he started till the day he finished the tafsir, the full tafsir of the Quran, took him 26 years. Subhanallah. And for 26 years, every Monday... He would teach tafsir. So when he committed to something, and he, he, I, I heard him say one day, 
if you want success in a community, right. you want a community to improve, one person must be prepared to play a long innings. That's the words were his words. You know, like an opening batsman. Yes, yes. The one who carries his bat <coughs> brings the chances of success. And uh, <coughs> so he did that with Madrasa. He did that with the Qiyam al-Layl. He did that with his Tafsir classes. So when he committed to something, mm-hmm. it was a lifetime commitment. Allahu Akbar. Wow. I can, this dedication, this commitment, and subhanAllah, inspiring, you know, his children definitely, and his grandchildren with this knowledge of deen, this character of deen, subhanAllah, we only ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant him, uh, you know, ajr for all of this and for his legacy to continue. Amen. And. Uh, you know, subhanAllah, after 25 years in the strand, I'm still I'm still baffling my head around this. You know, serving a single community. What were some of the challenges that he faced? Uh, Professor mentioned early on in the program that, you know, um, prior going to India, uh, prior to getting this bursary uh, in a poor circumstance, etc. Uh, you know, apart from that, in terms of the community itself uh, in this 25 years, what were some of the challenges that he faced or he underwent? I remember him saying that in the early years in the community, and was for the community of the Cape as a whole, no. there were certain particular challenges and they changed over time. In right. those early years, there was a, a, a love of, of, uh, of dancing. And dancing, music. okay. And uh, he had to eradicate that right. in, in his peculiar way. And later on, there was um, the use of substance. Uh, in particular cannabis and that became a big issue and more recently the abuse of uh, other forms of substance abuse right and so you know these challenges change with times but my own observation of how he dealt with it was never to ridicule people okay Um, and you know as 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 an imam I remember him when he delivered his khutbah he would never shout at people Okay. He would never ridicule them. No. Uh, what he would do is he would create shame in them, right? Sh- shyness in them. You know that was his other attribute. He was he was a very very shy man by himself. Okay. Uh, he didn't like too much public attention. No. I, I if I can digress for a moment. Yes, you know, yes, absolutely. A day or two before he passed on, he, he called me and said, "You know, after I <clears throat> I depart, you will you'll see people will come." And they will want to pay a tribute to me. He says, try and avoid that. He says, remind them that it is not about me. The focus must be on the work that we're supposed to do. And uh, just also for the listeners and and all of us. Then he said, and then when people say that, ask them when they remember me, that I ask two things of them. The one is I ask for their forgiveness if I transgressed in any way. And the second one he said was, um, <coughs> ask them to read the Surah Fatiha for me. Allahu Akbar. And uh, Allahu Akbar. it is also my request to anybody listening today to offer the Surah Fatiha for him. And he said some other things that we must focus on, Sadaqah Jariya and so on. <coughs> Subhanallah. Now, that, that was the, the kind of person, he would not ridicule his people. Right. He would talk to them in a soft, gentle way. Mm-hmm. Always keep his, you know, I, I often see today people would use the minbar to scream and scold people. He never did yes. that. <clears throat> and, and the principle, I think, was one where he knew if you win the hearts of people, mm-hmm. you can change them. But you no. can't change them until you have won their hearts. And it's the one thing in those early years that he, that he was able to achieve right. was to win the hearts of people, win their confidence and their trust. No. Then the change was easy. Subhanallah. Wow. You know, 
Uh, I think we have a lot on record with regards to Hazrat Mufti Yusuf Karan Saab in terms of his, uh, you know, contributions towards the Muslim Judicial Council, the IFTA department and so forth. But this respected listeners is streaming into his life, uh, you know, at a personal level, at a on, on a microscope that defines him as a person rather than focusing on all the contributions and how much he accomplished, subhanAllah. And sometimes we take greater lesson from uh, Mufti Saab as a person himself, the qualities which he displayed. And something for me, as a, you know, uh, uh, to, to in terms of giving nasiha to really, you know, speak in a way that would rather create shyness as compared to shouting and scolding at them. I'm sure it's definitely a lesson for you as well, respected listeners. You know, um, our post 25 years. Um, uh, once be stepping into the Muslim Judicial Council and serving towards, um, are there perhaps any recollection or any memories, uh, you know, that stood with him, or perhaps any interactions with other ulama, some of his best friends uh, from uh, from amongst the older ulama in Cape Town? You, you know, he um, once my father took my brother and myself and said, um, "Let's go to India." Right. <laughs> This is in 1987, uh, in 1986. And uh, I had just matriculated and he wanted to show us India. And then we went to Karachi as well, to Pakistan. And when we were at, in Newtown, Pakistan, <coughs> at that stage, um, Malan Abdul Khalik was still a student there. We met oh, him as well. Okay, and, and one evening he said to my brother and I, he said, um, come with me. Right. And uh, <coughs> he went to the Qabr of Mullah Yusuf bin Nuri. Allah <coughs> it's, it's one of the best memories <coughs> I have of my father when he stood at the Qabr <coughs> of Mullah Yusuf bin Nuri. He stood like a soldier, <coughs> but with great humility. Yeah. To, to the extent that as a child I became uncomfortable to see my father with this reverence stand in front of someone's Qabr. <coughs> and you know, he was not a man of many words. He said, He said to us, this is the greatest alim I've seen in my lifetime. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. So he lived with this great reverence of ulama. Yeah. He used to talk about his teachers. Um, <clears throat> I remember many names that he, he, he mentioned. Yes. Mullah Qasim Nanotri used to call, he talk about the Qari Tayyib and all these great ulama he used to. And you know, he used to revere spending time in their presence. Okay, okay. Um, in, you know, in his last few years, he went and spent time um, in Nadwa mm -hmm. uh, to perform his itikaf there. And so, you know, that, that was the, the, the presence he, he yearned for. Ah. In, in Cape Town, you know, his great friend was Sheikh Amin Fakir. And okay. I think still, uh, he, he asked us specifically, you know, if someone comes to my funeral, you ask him to make the dua. Allah. And, uh, and he t told us, you know, what great reverence and love and respect he had for him as not only an alim, as a scholar, uh, and as a friend. His great, great friendship and uh, <coughs> uh, association with uh, uh, Al-Marhum Sheikh, Sheikh Nazim Muhammad mm -hmm. and many of the other um, uh, ulama who served on the Muslim Judicial Council. Yes. Um, I remember as a as young, young boys, I think we were five or six years old, maybe older, he took my brother and I to meet Al-Marhum Sheikh Sheikh Saleh Habadi, and uh, he wanted Sheikh to teach us Quran first. Okay. And Sheikh uh, 
was then uh, in, in Durban and it was not possible. And he asked Sheikh, you know, if you can't teach him, just teach him the Fatiha. Right. And if you can't do that, just make dua for them. So he had great respect for <coughs> for uh, Sheikh Saleh Abadi and, and people people like uh, like him. Uh, and he would, you know, look for their company and mm. look for their duas. Subhanallah, Subhanallah. Uh, you know, uh, I'm just reminiscing over uh, one of the great uh, one of the great friendships that you mentioned earlier on uh, was with that of uh, Maulana Ibrahim Mia from uh, Mia's farm. You know, the the famous place where students would go and learn Hafsul Quran. Did uh, did he also contribute to literary works in terms of uh, you know the the syllabi for the Mia's farm and so forth? Most of his work there was for the uh, for the translation and publication. Right. Publications of of his of the translations he did. Okay. Um, so he he was very uh, uh, engage, engaging a lot with the maktab there, and um, he he often used to go there for some research work. They have they have a fantastic library. Always had had that, and he would he would do some of that work. But you know he's kept his friendship with uh, um, Mullah Ibrahim Sahib for, for for many years, so and it has stayed like that uh, ever since. And when he's up there, he would visit and. Ibrahim would visit him on this side, no. and uh, no, that 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 relationship has has carried on. Allah. In fact, one of the things he said to me was, "When I'm not there, you better look after my friends." <laughs> Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, most definitely, Subhanallah. And you know, I can imagine uh, the amount of contributions in terms of literary works and so on that has been done. Um, was the Subhanallah? I'm trying to imagine somebody so selfless, dedicating so much of his life to Deen, to the Makatib, to the Madaris. Um, was there perhaps anything else? Maybe if he ever dedicated any leisure time to, was he was he particularly? Uh, you know, did he have any hobbies perhaps or something? Um, something other than kutubs and you know being directly involved in the works of Deen. Two things. The, uh-huh. the one is you know he was a great sportsman. He used okay. to love sports. He used to love cricket. Right. He was a cricket player himself. He played mm. in, in his days in the Banato tournament. He he was he was a batsman, and he in, in fact I heard him say one day that in the five years or so that he was in India, he scored three centuries. Allah <laughs> Akbar. So he he was he was a a, a, a batsman of note. He played rugby as well. No. He was captain of the rugby team. Always had those le- leadership qualities. Okay. And you know he had this wonderful memory. <clears throat> he could remember the details of things that most people couldn't. He could remember the dates. And the years that things happened, his 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 recollection of history was 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 uh, was uh, reputable. Mm-hmm. He, so, you know, so, so sport was his one his, 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 his passion. One passion. Right. His his other passion um, was cooking. Cooking. Know? Okay. He, he he was a cook of note. Um, many people who would visit would, would 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 recollect that when he when he's at home, and people would come visiting, he would be the cook. So Allah he would, he, you know, Strand is known as as a fishing village. So he would get fish and he would no. cook fish himself. And he used to love to cook for people, Allah and even for us as children and for his grandchildren. So, and and he's a late night cook, so he would get up late at night, no. and quickly there's still a pan in our kitchen. 
that uh, <coughs> small little pan where he used to cook his smorches. Okay, and, uh, <coughs> and he used to feed people like that. That was, you know, what he was very fond of, no, of no. doing. And he would often take his grandchildren right. to go and have fish and chips in, in Coke Bay and those kind of places. Allahu yeah. Akbar, Allahu Akbar. You know, I, I think as part of a balanced lifestyle, we have to embrace, you know, every aspect of, of living, whether it's dini, spiritual, health-wise and so forth. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant him the highest stages of Jannah. If my technician will allow me, inshallah, Perhaps another 30 second more as a means of perhaps inshallah reciting Surah Al-Fatiha, uh, you know, and asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to send the sawab of this to Al-Marhum Mufti Yusuf Karan. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين Ameen. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to send the sawab of this recital to Marhum Maulana Yusuf Karan. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elevate his stages, uh, grant him genital firdaus without reckoning, accept all his contributions, grant him reward accordingly. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continue his legacy to thrive in the form of his beloved children, grandchildren and so forth. The likes of Mufti Taha Karan, uh, in my opinion, one of the greatest ulama currently living in the Western Cape and South Africa, as well as our Professor Abdus Salam Karan, the Dean at the uh, Faculty of Agricultural Sciences, University of Stellenbosch, subhanAllah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you all for your efforts, your contributions, um, for carrying on the legacy of uh, your beloved Father, inshallah, and I know uh, fondly, perhaps inshallah, to you know, end off on this note. Prior to coming Cape Town, my beloved father, you know, if I had to ask him about any alim in Cape Town, he would mention two names. One was that of uh, uh, Maulana Yusuf Karan, and the other was that of his very close friend and colleague Nataha Karan, subhanallah. And respected listeners, I'm sure I'm inspired as much as you are, inshallah. So, respected listeners, we have come to the uh, end of this edition of Born to Serve, inshallah. We will be following through in the next program, Qur'a'ul Qur'an. Recite his Quran. Uh, Professor Abdul Salam, we say a heartful thank you to yourself, inshallah, for taking the time out and sharing with us a brief glimpse into the life of your beloved father, inshallah. We hope to have uh, you know you again in our studios, inshallah. But nonetheless, in order to tie loose ends from myself, Muhammad Shay, keep well, keep steadfast on Deen. Keep us all in your du'as. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.